What's going on, man? This is Asher Roth, and you're listening to Fly Fidelity Podcast. First I say, what we're going to do. Then you say, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, we're going to do what you want to do. I have an idea. You're going to dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You want to get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. Welcome to the program. On this episode, we're joined for a wide-ranging conversation with Asheroff to talk about the space he's been carving over the last five years, the glory days of the internet, a forthcoming EP with Logic, and so much more on this episode. Enjoy the conversation. I've been tinkering, I've been thinkering, got an inkling, where's my pinky ring, huh? One million dollars just ain't a lot, need the lottery on top of the morning, sir, bonsoir. Can you take me through the last five years of being an independent artist and I guess recently re-emerging with a space of being able to prioritize seeing people versus being seen by people? Wow, that's a great question. I think that was the intent, really. Um, it's not that I didn't want to be famous or it's not that I you know, didn't want to use that platform, but um, it felt uh, important to me as I got away from the scene uh that there was just so much talent out there um and to be able to support that was just a little bit more fulfilling than the you know being the entertainer so to speak and so obviously i have a creative bone in my body and i I still need to be in front of the camera every now and then just to get my own ideas out but yeah there was a there was kind of just something um uh, rewarding like not, not not necessarily more more rewarding but uh rewarding about you know helping other people uh get i call it getting your yayas out you know and so for the past 5 years um kind of pre-pandemic this was this was a float it kind of started with um the greenhouse effect volume 3 actually right. w- wanting to do it um and um not necessarily relying on canon and drama to make that happen and i think that's kind of the the crux and the root of the decisions that I've made to do and take the path that I've taken is stop relying on other people to help you uh, or, you know, relying on other people, asking them for permission to to get things done or see a vision through. And so, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, the short of it, but um, that's where we are right now. So when you think about the power of community within the past five to six years within your life, how has that extended a battery within your back in creating and engaging people into the spirit of collaboration as you know it from back in the blog era? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, I think the blog era was, you know, rooted in kind of collaboration and and a, a community of sorts. And even the early XXL covers, you know, there was kind of a... Uh, fraternity for lack of better words of people like when you were in it uh together but 
Um, as far as a battery pack, it's it's uh, yes, it's definitely inspiring. It's interesting though because sometimes you want it more than the artist might, you know. Um, uh, but also you have your own visions and you have your own thought on where something should go, and so collaboration isn't always smooth. But uh, um, you know, in, in the world that we're in right now, specifically in music, collaboration. Um, is is a like in cross-pollination in general of just having other people on your stuff uh being seen by their crowd uh and their crowd uh, and uh you know your crowd seeing them that stuff goes a really long way but um i think it's just giving me an alternate outlet you know when everything's just about you and you're constantly you know obsessing over perspectives and and how are people going to see this and you know what is it that i want to say yada 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 uh, the collaboration with other people and not even putting my name on it or anything like that has helped just give me another outlet and staying creative, uh, passing along some of the information that I've gathered along the way, putting that to use, you know, putting my experiences to good use rather than just uh, memories or, or trauma for uh, for what it's worth. But uh, all that stuff's extremely valuable. I mean, you know, we, uh, you know, hip hop and, and rap music in general, a lot of you hear each one teach one a lot. And I think that that's still something that holds dear to me. I mean, I was in, in school to be an elementary school teacher to begin with. So I still have that bone. You mentioned the word value. When you think about coming up and experiencing some of these shifts and some of the victories from the glory years of the internet, what is it that sticks out the most in terms of that period having a lasting impact and value today? Um, you know, I think that one is just the introduction of the internet as a tool, right? And like, I think it would probably be rooted in this, you know, it's tough, right? Because independence and what it has been has turned into um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, from a you can do it yourself, be your own boss. Um, there's truth there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in the same respects, uh, you know, there's still a lot of hurdles. Uh, the industry is still a, you know, well kept, if you will. So there are ways if you if you have a certain makeup about you that you're constantly creating, constantly uploading and you're and you're kind of giving yourself over to the mechanism that is the Internet, you can have success. Um now, so in a lot of ways, uh, the lasting impact um, of the internet era is in a, is almost nostalgia for almost simpler times, you know, because the internet has uh, has kind of um, lowered the um, the barrier of entry for for artists and musicians and rappers, and to the point where you hear people say everybody's a rapper or everybody's a DJ, and these advancements in technology. Uh, to the to now we're up to the point of you know AI and using voices and all of this. So um, when you ask me the lasting impact, my personal experience is just that very brief moment in time when it was new and innocent and people were young and and having fun. And I'm sure this is exactly what people would say when they're talking about the golden era of hip hop in like you know 80s and early 90s. But for the, the us internet kids who grew up on 90s uh, rap music and uh, mm. to the point where it wasn't necessarily in our backyard, but we were still able to kind of, uh, you know, be raised by uh, these albums. Um, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to know what the lasting impact will be, but 
for me, it's it's really just going back and seeing some of these freestyles with DJ enough and being in the same place at the same time, experiencing everything for the first time with a with a good core group of people. What have you applied from those years about being willing to adapt and take chances like the chances you're taking now? Being genuine, you know, um, and just like I think that if I like listening to it, then hopefully you know, then my audience probably will like listening to it. And, you know, that's that's been uh, you know, as far as taking chances from an evolution standpoint, it's just doing it for me. Um, and and other artists, the ones that I respect, uh, you know, you can kind of see when it becomes, um, you know, for other things, for uh, like whether it be money or just security and safety at some point, which, right. I, you know, I, I see understanding the game and understanding just the world that we live in, I will never... Um, be bothered by anybody that just says I'm done here. You know what I mean? For someone like, uh, we know how talented will I am is, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and his contributions with the black eyed peas. And then he just obviously said, you know what? I'm going to make songs for bar mitzvahs, you know, and I'm going to crush it. And, and he did exactly that and became extremely influential. And, and, uh, some of the, uh, you know, chart chart toppers that for an entire decade. So, um, but it's a far cry from the music that they were making with, you know, original Black Eyed Peas pre-Fergie. Um, right. You know, for me, it, it, that's my, my own personal was just, you know, I, I speak about this a lot. Like my my early experiences were music business. It was the business of music. It was your responsibility is to sell music that other people want and to an uh, and kind of to a specific audience and as i got older uh pretty quickly rather and that's why i think those who followed along it happened rather fast um i felt like the responsibility was to myself and my the responsibility was not to my audience but the responsibility was to myself and so for me that's why people are getting an honest evolution of a person rather than a product so looking back, can you maybe pinpoint and talk about any growing periods where you've, I guess, minimized any habits in the past as a way to build more structure, whether that be personally as Asher Roth or professionally as Asher Roth? Where do you think you've grown the most in the past five years? Yeah, I think I've always had like a and an, like an excuse, right? Like, um, I don't feel like it. That's kind of probably my, my the best excuse when it comes to art. Um, but putting some type of structure to your creative process and just allowing yourself a little bit of time out of your day to do something uh, and rather inconsequential, like I'm not even worried where, what the result of this is going to be. And I think over the last five years and even 10 years for that matter, but real specifically five years, because I do feel like I'm entering a space where I can be a little bit more prolific is because I'm not even worried about where these recordings are going to end up. And I think my early experiences, it almost felt like there always had to be a, you know, you went in with some intention. And I, you know, again, intentions are a beautiful thing, but the intention can also just be just to make anything, make make something. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I'm setting out to make this hit record with that's going to be a dance on TikTok, you know? Um, and right. so for me, it's just been like, let's get down how you're feeling today. No different than a journal, uh, and working with some of these kids on discord again, empowering other, these, these other people who, who might have a tremendous amount of talent, but not a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, outlets and opportunity. 
these people provide me with canvases to paint on. And, you know, I've challenged myself from a producer standpoint and learning piano and all those things. But at the end of the day, I feel like my talent really lies in rapping and, and really lies in, you know, word play and, and deconstructing words and messing around. And that's where I find a lot of my joy. And so, um, you know, that's a long winded uh, answer to just, you know, saying for me, the structure is just doing it rather than talking myself out of it. Yo, snap out of it, Ash, you need to stop doubting it Puff your chest out, be proud of it Maybe move around a bit, be excited for what's coming Smile when you wake, life's funny But it'll beat the beak off, you eat the weak All true, need to leap off them feet to see all new All due praise, hallelujah Need to make do with the blue running through ya Caterpillar to Alice, the sadness turns to callous Don't lose your childish, balance it, palaces Only a mile away, lonely and tired, hey Rome wasn't found in a day, no what in palisades But either way, how much can you tolerate? Hoping for a final fate, mana's on nirvana Till you find your lake, river, or beach Or shit's creek, it's a figure of speech From the streets to the pinnacle's peak Put it, put it, put it, put it with just, put it with just Put it with just a dream for the team I got I'm curious as to what would have been a moment or shift that pushed you to really communicate urgency and this awareness in this recent music and output about trees and green spaces. Where does that mm -hmm. come from? Where does that come from? <laughs> uh, I mean, we joke about it all the time, like socialize with nature. I think maybe a little bit of like uh, my like my uh, discontent, maybe is I don't know. Again, words are so tough, but like you know humans and people they're just like you know they're very self-serving and i think that um being in the entertainment business being surrounded by like things like status and and money and and all of those things they just it didn't sit with me and there's moments of course getting paid feels so good right when you just get right. when you get your money and you have a little bit of financial freedom and you can do these things and you can afford essentially some you know security it it, it feels beautiful but there's something about being outside there's something about the pace of nature um that really allows you to feel alive you know and and you yeah. hear people talk about uh, oh, when I'm on stage, I feel alive and blah, blah. And that may be true, but that wasn't true for me. I, I love performing, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the time, whether I'm performing for five or 500 people, it's these one-on-one -on -one connections, These this one person rapping all the lyrics that really made that a great show. Not not the necessarily this like, oh, I just played for the largest crowd ever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, nature uh, and the pace of it has been something I've been trying to tap into just from my well-being, you know, because I wasn't necessarily finding that balance um, in the outside world.
What's going on? If you are still listening to this episode and enjoying the podcast, why not become a patron of Fly Fidelity at patreon.com slash flyfidelity. Becoming a patron means you are directly supporting our show and helping us to create a new episode each and every week. It also means that as a thank you for being a super supporter, you'll be able to access exclusive content to you, including patron updates, offers and discounts, a monthly secret podcast, Podcast, early access, and so much more. As far as being an artist in a time of crisis, again, it's just a responsibility to yourself. It's not like, you know, we've had the Graham Nashes of the world and talking about, you know, uh, please come to Chicago for uh, the Democratic Convention and all these. I mean, considering everything that music has already uh you know supported and fought through and where we are now um mm-hmm. it's a strange time like i don't know if mu- if music is is if music is as important as it was in the in the 60s and 70s uh and and 80s be- and 90s for that matter because there was kind of singular outlets now everything's so fragmented you can kind of get whatever it is that you're looking for so you know, that's another reason to kind of stay, stay out of the hysterics. And, and as far as just being an artist during a time like this, um, you know, you're just trying to make sense of it for yourself, me anyway. And, uh, you know, there are moments when I'm trying to explain to other people, I think in, uh, in spaceship on flowers on the weekend, you know, when I, I do kind of say I'm like in my group of friends, I'm the one that kind of like, you know, reads about things and has has thoughts about things and brings it up and wants people talking about stuff. And, you mm. know, that's really it. As far as an, as being an artist is concerned or my music healing the world, that's that's not going to be the reality. But the reality might be that my music may start a conversation, whether it be around, you know, the pace of nature or, you know, staying staying away from uh, the news, twenty especially 24 hour news, whether that's uh, politics or sports, you know, staying away from that for your own well-being. Uh, maybe, maybe some of the conversations I'm having through rap music can do that. Absolutely. You've talked about collaborating with friends, fans, and followers for the latest Greenhouse Effect mixtape. Taking me through that process of choosing to collaborate and allowing fans to mm-hmm. curate this project. What was that process like? Yeah, well, one, it was a lot of, uh, I had no idea what I was going to get myself into. So that could have been a complete disaster. Um, But again, that's one of those things where just there's so many talented people. But I I would say the pandemic was the impetus for for the project as a whole. I had wanted to do a Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 for so long. But given the scope and the landscape of of the internet and and rap music in general, it just didn't feel like I would be serving... um, myself in hey let me rap on a bunch of other people's beats like we used to do in in the you know 08 09 2010 and so here mm-hmm. we are in kind of an era of, of streaming you know uh greenhouse effect volume one greenhouse effect volume two aren't even available to stream outside of my soundcloud you know because i don't own the rights to those music so um all things which is crazy yeah yeah you know i mean we'll get there but again like those that uh, is a is a specific uh a perfect example of why it's awesome to work with like a major label or somebody that has real genuine structure because they have the infrastructure that would uh, allow them to go and clear all of that music, clear all of those samples and get that up for streaming. But when it's just you by yourself, uh, maybe a couple other helping hands and friends, 
it's a, you know, it's a much more laborious uh, uh, process. So, uh, but all things considered, Greenhouse Effect Volume 3, I wanted to just stay away from that headache. And so uh, with the pandemic happening and realizing people needed an outlet, a creative outlet, you know, I just did my best, like, you know, throw the bat signal up and see who who um, would come. And, you know, we're on our third project now. Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 dropped uh, a little bit after, you know, I think 2021, I can't uh, remember. And then we dropped fall semester. Uh, and so the Discord uh, online community, the UFC, is essentially just an artist development for a majority of producers and then also songwriters and rappers as well. Obviously, rappers and songwriters, you know, you know, my breed, we're kind of particular people and we don't necessarily it's an intimate process. But producers, you know, they make seven beats a day, you know, so they're kind of throwing their stuff in the pool and seeing what can happen with it. But yeah, reaching out to my audience and um, asking them to come collaborate with me was just kind of more a sign of the times. Like this is what this is what it is. I'm not necessarily comfortable with uh, like streaming myself all the time. You know, there's still a certain level of privacy that I appreciate in my life. Uh, that was something that was big in, in my early days coming up was wanting a, a life of, of my own, not necessarily giving myself over to the entertainment business to kind of eat away at. Uh, and same goes with, um, you know, the, the newer collaborations is just like, here's a way that I can participate with my audience without necessarily being on 24 hour stream of them watching, watching me sleep and like, you know, eating ice cream. Right. And of course the project follows the concept of you being a professor. Mm -hmm. What do you think you've learned from your collaborators making this project? I mean, some of them are better than I am, you know, uh, like that's, I think that's the thing, right. Is like, um, there's just so much talent out there and, and I really, um, I kind of am intrigued when people don't chalk up their, a lot of their success or a big chunk of their success to luck. Um, because so much, uh, you know, yes, you have to work hard. Yes. You have to have talent, of course, but so much has to go right um, for someone specifically in music. It's all it's there's somebody else. There's always somebody else that's part of the story. Somebody heard it or somebody put it on your playlist or, you know, and there's something that gets it kind of gives it the momentum. Um, and so for me, what I've learned just as a, you know, uh, moving from a student to a professor is just cultivating talent, um, you know, caring for talent and, and, understanding how much talent is out there um and to not necessarily uh shy away from that not, you know whether it be considered competition you know i know that in the whether it be fashion or or movies or kind of like more kind of vanity um uh, art forms uh you know it's always about there's always somebody younger prettier so you have to xyz mm -hmm. Uh, for me, it's just leaning into it. It's like knowing that, you know, I'm only, I'm only getting older, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I've started a family, my priorities and my time are, are spread thin. And, and so why would you not want to empower, you know, 19, 20, 23, 26 year old people that have the time and, and they have the, uh, the want to. What about yourself being a student coming up, of course, releasing a first volume? Take me back and give me a sense of writing and recording under the winds of drummer and Don Khan. And what was, what did the process look like versus making this project back then? 
Well, that's what's interesting about like my early days is that um, now it's very important. Well, not very important, but you see it more that people are making making beats and making their own music, um, which I've leaned into and I've actually had a blast, you know, uh, finding the right equipment that I like to use. And, and again, it's just a different outlet. But when I was coming up, mixtapes, it was just all about mixtapes. And so it was all about rapping over uh, other people's beats. You know, there's like kind of a familiarity there that allowed the listener to say, I've heard this beat. Let me hear this person's take on it. And so Greenhouse Effect Volume 1, some of its, you know, early recordings when I was, you know, 18, I remember the Just Listen on Greenhouse Effect Volume 1 is a, a rap that I had from kind of an earlier EP um things like that where and then for the most part we were just down in atlanta um drinking wine um and having fun and and writing raps and and so like there was no there was no expectations and it took me years it has taken taken me years to get back to that space because once greenhouse effect volume one came out because all of those recordings are just us hanging out downstairs Recording, rapping. Here's how I'm feeling today. Here's what I'm going through. And then after that, Canon and Drama, Drama got on that. And so it wasn't like an idea, oh, we're going to do a mixtape with Canon and Drama. It was like, here are all these recordings. Let's 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 put this all together as one piece. And then, you know, it all just kind of came together, um, which, again, a lot to do with, you know, I wouldn't necessarily classify that as luck, but those are proximity pals. We're all in Atlanta yeah. at the same time. You know what I mean? We're all there at the same time. Um, and that's a very fortunate, those are very fortunate circumstances. And so, you know, after that, and when a sleep in the bread owl happened, and like, I'm still, I'm fond of a sleep in the bread owl because, um, you know, or, first of all, it's Oren and myself, really. And Oren was was a relatively unknown producer at the time. Um, mm. And we made it work for like, you know, Chump Change and an I Love College single that had blown up, which was, again, just us hanging out in the basement. That wasn't like, oh, we got to make a single. It was just like, here are some beats that got sent over uh, from a beat tape from by Mike Karen. We are, are rapping on these things. And the next thing you know, here's this here's this offering, so to speak, or here's this journal entry. Um, and then when that happens, suddenly there's expectations, right? And I remember when a Millie dropped, uh, uh, that's when I was like, people are listening to what I'm saying. You know what I mean? That was, it wasn't necessarily Greenhouse Effect Volume 1. And it wasn't necessarily I Love College. It was after my take on a Millie. No, not Bangladesh. Bangly. Yo, brain bang. What up, homie? Yo, MySpace been blowing me up, telling me I had to do it. And since I'm a real democracy, I figured I might as well. You know what I mean? Goes like this. Check it out. A million here, a million there. Yeah, you got a mill, but for real, dog, nobody cares. If, it, if you don't share, don't donate to charity. Children who can barely eat, no shoes on their feet. We don't see, we don't read, we don't really need to. Self-centered humans be the root of all evil. In this industry, we just feed our egos. Got a seven series and a brand new And when that dropped, that's when I was like, oh, this feels like my like 50 cent, like how to rob moment. And that's when I felt like I had, I had people's attention.
and uh, and at least you know maybe a, a a little bit of it in their imaginations and so but with it came expectations and the business of music where people you know you are responsible for not just yourself but making other people money um and that's when things get weird you know and so my existence for the last you know 12 years is how to navigate it while keeping the important stuff how can i keep the you know the integrity and the conversation and the interest of an audience how do you how do you keep those things how do you rid yourself of you know people uh looking at you purely from a, from a um from a cash cow standpoint you know how do you rid yourself of um a industry that puts you on the road and doesn't offer health insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, like yeah. all, just all of these instances of artists quite literally not making it out alive. And so, you know, I had to unplug and unplug and unplug and, you know, simple, uh, almost, you know, like metaphors of like cutting my hair, you know, Be like we need you to cut your hair. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna let this thing grow. And like, here we are, my hair's still long, you know? So, um yeah <laughs> so much of that period really speaks to unlearning doesn't it oh man forever forever can you talk about shedding any old habits that you mm. know have helped contribute a clarity to this recent output of music you've been releasing these past three projects specifically yeah i mean like sharing music right and comments and views and all of these things that um really you know yes there's yes there are some people that are connecting with you through your music maybe have never met you before are leaving a comment that says this is great and i'd be remiss to like tell you that like i went on my soundcloud the other day because we released kind of a hidden track called last chance you um which is and, really dope by the way oh you heard you heard it yeah last oh night. amazing yeah yeah so you know these are just like this is my way of of rewarding just my audience to start, right? Here's the people right. I've been following along, whether on a mailing list or whether you're on my social media, here's a private link, you know? You're not just gonna stumble across it and we'll get there, I will make it public. But so it got me stumbling through my SoundCloud and I'm reading some of the comments and I'm like, oh, this is this is cool, man. I don't know, this, I don't know who this person is at all, but this is a really nice comment. Um, and I think for me and a lot of us, um, technology, your phone, uh, the reliance uh, from a connection, from a digital connection um, on those things. It's been a short period of time, maybe 10 years since that became something that's so interwoven into our days. Um, but I'm old enough to not have had that. And so my unlearning is getting back to those you know, connections. Same thing with the, the from a community standpoint is and local politics has always been what rings in my head is focus on the things that you can see and touch and that's something that's like specific to local politics is because we get so caught up and all the hysterics on the internet are about like federal politics and things going on in washington or things going on in california stuff that really is not going on on fifth street in philadelphia you know pennsylvania mm -hmm. and so uh kind of stepping back and, and remembering what's important. And it's a, it's kind of the same thing with, uh, with, with your music is just like, 
getting back to just one yourself, making music for yourself and saying, I like this, here's what I'm going to do. Even though Last Chance You has, there's no hook, you know what I mean? There's no like, you know, it's, a, I think, a minute and 30 seconds long, but I've listened to it a few times and be like, man, I love these raps. These are really cool. These make me happy. I feel like I, I, I said what I wanted to say on this. The unlearning for me is like, the phone and the technology and these applications and the internet has made our world so big. And there are absolutely um, uh, pros to that. There are, there are, it is, there are tools that we can use that can help us find a very large audience almost immediately. Uh, when you hear Post Malone's story, you hear people who genuinely just post something and the next day they're global superstars. But like, whatever they want to classify that as whether the american dream or whatever it is there are like uh, um unintended consequences that come with that and i experienced some of those things early on with the internet as a tool with people promoting it uh and all of those things had unintended consequences on me as a human being and so i've had to kind of unlearn using the internet validating myself through the internet and just getting back to you know what's really kind of rooted right here right now and what's right in front of me and it all goes back of course to this concept of slowing down doesn't it for sure 100 percent, 100 percent, luke do you think that artists today are overworked and that fans expect too much how do you feel about the distance between fans today and fans when you were coming up yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, again, there's just so many different beasts. There are people who are so prolific that record every day and put something out every day and that might not phase them. But uh, and people have told me, oh, Ash, that's cap. You know, what I mean, because I'm huge on health and well-being for artists and myself specifically. Right. Um, you know, do I think they're overworked um, and the expectations? I would say just consumer habits, right? Like the the. The applications, Spotify, um, and what it's kind of implemented, it over time, it changes our attention span and our consumer habits. So, for instance, I put out Last Chance You, um, you know, you would have a, uh, you would hear that. This is, you know, this is kind of back yonder, back in, you know, let's call it 08, 09, 010, like 2010. And then there would be like discussion on the blogs for a couple days. But now it's like, hey, that shit's over and old after it's just been listened to, you know? And so yeah. this is a, uh, it's almost a prerequisite to the game of entertainment and, and specifically music and content now is that once you've put something out, you better already have 15 more ready to go. Um, so I personally, we, we actually talk about this on uh, our Discord and in, in, the, in the chat. I personally think it's unhealthy, you know? And, and um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people... Uh, the discussion is keeping hobbies and passions as that hobbies and not turning them into professions. Whereas there's a, the other side of the, the the coin is you can do this too. You know what I mean? With these tools and this work ethic, you can be a star too. Um, true, there's some truth there for sure. Again, but that's why artificial intelligence is being implemented in the way that it is. It's like you know, getting rid of these human emotions and inefficiencies. And let's just like churn out these songs that have no human elements anyway, that were already essentially created from a spreadsheet that are playing in H&M and these department stores and not pay a human being, you know? So it's just a, an efficiency standpoint. So 
I do think that humans and artists are going to be hard pressed to keep up with some of the, you know, the, the asks, but I also do think that like with that is going to be a serious desire for real human shit, you know, real, like, this is a real person. Like I see this, like I do see the hologram sold out shows in Japan of, you know, of light shows for hologram and anime characters. And that's a very real thing of selling out stadiums. But I, I do feel like there's still going to be a space for artists who, for whatever reason, people are drawn to them and people are attracted to what they're doing. And even though it might not satisfy the bottom line for these consolidating corporations who want to sell out 30,000 seats, but for that person, it's going to be really rewarding to do a show for 350 people who really care. that a lot of people started to make music in the, in this new generation in order to be, you know, heard, seen, and, you know, famous for a lack of better words. You know, I, I think that people are using music um, as, well, I can do that too. You know what I mean? And they're doing it for money. They're doing it for status and they're doing it for not necessarily for, uh, you know, sh uh, sharing um whether it be and trials and yeah, yeah exactly and so like you know rap music for me uh when i again i'm just in a nice little pocket i didn't you know i didn't grow up with it right outside my door in, in the bronx but you know i also you know was getting to it um still uh like you know the, the when puff uh puff daddy and and you know the m&ms of the world were really doing uh stuff that was high quality products but you mm. still have the outcast equemini's you know um so yeah i just feel like you know there's there's a uh that space where people right now may be doing it for one reason only and might be for those the numbers that are attached to it and and the hope to say I, oh you know i'm gonna put these music out and i'm gonna get big i'm gonna i'm gonna get uh famous or i'm gonna make money i'm gonna make money doing this I, I i hear it all the time i'm gonna make money doing this and like just the truth the truth is you are not going to make money doing this like i would say it might be even harder than uh professional sports you know and 
you know, I'm a baseball fan and you know, the, the, just, they talk about the numbers, how ridiculous it is to make it to the major leagues. I would say it's even harder now to, uh, to make it in, uh, in music. As it should be as well, right. As it should be as well. Do you ever think about the kind of impact I love college would have had if it was released now with, you know, how much social media has changed over the last Oof. 15 years. I can only, I'm telling you, I'm so happy. It's not, you know, I'm so happy that <laughs> I Love College came out in the era that it came out and not everything is being filmed when I was there and doing it, you know, and I'm just happy that I was able to have my moment. Uh, of course, though, if if it kind of resonated, who knows if it would resonate in this era at all, um, you know, even because the idea of college and the, the uh, conversation around uh, college and university has changed drastically over the last decade as far as the cost as far as the value of a college degree, um, you know, all of those things. Um, and, uh, the, you know, cult, the culture on campus, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm very happy that it, I, I had my moment when I had it. Uh, but yeah, I do feel like, you know, the content side of things. I mean, look at Barstool, you know, Barstool, an American media company that like crush, has crushed it af after aggregating college uh content you know and so um i think who knows who knows what it'd feel like all i can say is i'm just happy i had it when i had it exactly exactly going back for a second can you maybe take me back to those formative years with scooter braun and recording in this basement for what would have been some of your earlier sessions recording for a sleep in a bread aisle mm -hmm. um yeah i mean like you know again like there's such innocence there whereas still like aspirations i um i'm confident in my talent i wasn't always that way especially younger i think as i've gotten older i've realized that my skill uh and my style is unique um but you know early on you're still kind of it's almost like parents or positive reinforcement along the way of like following what other people see in you and like, Oh, maybe, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and so, you know, Scooter was an early supporter and believer and um, somebody as driven as he is, it's, it's actually really important to have somebody like that on your team because um, myself, I'm not, my favorite thing to do is not promote myself. It's just like to slyly put something else, uh, something out and hope people pick up on it. But someone like Scooter is very much a cheerleader and also a bulldog for you in the, in a building if uh, if he believes in 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 what you're doing and so um he was very young at the time as well you know you got to imagine I'm you know I'm 21 22 mm. so Scooter's maybe 25 you know what I mean so he's young ambitious and on the early on um, the onset of you know and being an entrepreneur and being somebody who's looking at the music industry as a whole and uh, media as a whole and saying, you know, I can provide value here. And he saw my um, potential more, more so than I did. Yeah, absolutely. He saw it early and he, he believed in it more than I believed in myself. And, uh, you know, so for that, and I see that with my young kids, like I see that with the young kids coming up that I see what they don't see. Uh, just just having a couple of years on them and and being in in uh, mixing it up with different people it allows me and provides me that perspective and so you know scooter had that having been working um 
as a, uh, I believe, a, an A and R or you know, um, you know, something in the the marketing department of uh, um, disturbing the peace in Atlanta, DTP, Shaka right. Zulu, Ludacris. Um, you know, I guess uh, I'm assuming he knew kind of what it looked like and being around the party scenes and being around the scene, he kind of knew what it looked like. So, um, yeah, the, those those early when I look back at them, I hold, uh, you know, I'm. I'm very thankful for my time in Atlanta, specifically around the idea of uprooting. I think it's really important to uproot yourself once, twice, even if you do end up coming back home to where you started. Uh, it really helps in the growth perspective. So uh, Atlanta, outside of just going to to college um, in Westchester, was the first time I actually um, uprooted myself and moved somewhere else. And be, that's why I brought the homies with me. That's why Boyd came with me. And that's why Brian, uh, Brian, Brian Langley. And, uh, and that's why uh, Shannon, like the homies came with me because I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. So, so much innocence, so much um, um, ambition and so much like, Oh my God. Like imagine if like sitting down and, and rapping for Akon, all of these things are firsts. You're so, you're so still, um, uh, enchanting you're so st it's still so uh cool <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, and i think that as you get older and you go through these experiences uh not in a somber or sad way um but it becomes you know that the just a dude theory you know all these people being just dudes or like you know they talk about uh separating the art from the artists because the art is so good but the artist is such an asshole and you know, things of that nature. So early on, that's what was so beautiful about Atlanta is like, you know, Scooter was had no idea what he was doing. We had no idea what we were doing. And we we're just down there, like making it up as we went along, which now is the same exact way to go about it. It's just like, just make it up and, and do what feels right and, and work with the people that are that are right there with you. Um, it's just, you know, things get um, a little bit more complicated as you as you get older. Was there anybody from that timeline that really pushed you to break rules and mm. make creative decisions, forge your own path? You know what? I would say no. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, anybody, you know, it was like, you know, not to throw Pharrell under the bus at all, but even when we were doing our, uh, our second album, um, which, you know, there was no plan, right? That's what I'm uh when i look back on it and even if you look at the timeline of asher roth it's like asleep in the bread aisle and then seared frog with quince and cranberry it's just this like random mixtape when i was living in new york um and so there was no like asher roth plan there was no like plan here you're here you just signed to a major label here are your people you guys are going to think this through this is going to be thought about and it's funny man there's like a it's a a, a total uh it's silly but it's a it's a show on i believe hbo called the other two are you familiar with this at all i don't think so so it's a show about about like the a brother and a sister of a pop star which is just like so it's so obviously based off of justin bieber and i think like uh the the <laughs> manager is even called streeter you know what i mean so it's like it's no kind way. of uh, yeah it's totally taken and inspired by 
you know, Scooter and the way that he, his ambition of what he, how he saw the game and how he wanted to play it was, you know, let's take it all the way there. And so when you're talking about music industry and, um, and business, you're actually, when it comes to artists, you're kind of talking about obedience. You know, you're talking about an artist not straying from the tried and true. Let's just make hits. You know, don't ask any questions. Don't ask where your money's going. Don't ask why. And, you know, I remember James Cruz, who was managing Puff at the time and hanging out with Puff and, and James Cruz, seeing him about to head out on a flight, and he goes, yeah, man, you, you're, you're too smart for this with this game. And like, which is ridiculous because I'm, you know, a very average intelligence. And but he's saying, yeah, you're too smart because you ask, you know, you ask why, you know, and, and the artists that go really far just don't ask any questions, you know. And I think that there are some truth to that. Now, the narrative is changing a little bit, right? There, a lot of the narrative is changing to empowering artists. Uh, and creatives and knowing where your money's going and here's what a 360 deal is and here's what a mechanical royalty is and all these things. But the music industry was found and created off of artists not knowing that stuff, not owning their masters, not owning their intellectual property. All of this, this kind of like revolution of sorts um, is new in the last, I'd say, since the, the birth of the internet. And I'm still of the earliest of the internet where we still kind of, you know, um, you know, we were breaking the rules with how we were distrib distributing our music, but we weren't necessarily breaking the rules yet with like what it's supposed to look like. 1500 another. Yeah, yeah, yo, yo, this one's for the people. All the bees that are bleeding and sleep in the heat should breathe. I thought we all equal. Ain't a man on the God's green bee underneath any other. I don't want to play preacher. But I swear they turn the air when we talk about peace and love Sometimes might need a hug Yeah, we all want to come on up above But this ain't about Jesus No way, no Abe, no Ike, Moses, or Muhammad yeah, it's all about believing Full steam ahead because you know the worst times are behind me I don't want to sound cheesy But, but, but it's just to really mean it eh, eh, Yeah, I'm telling I can feel it eh, eh, It's the reason I don't sleep I'll be way too geek tonight This one's for all of y'all I'm the same as all of y'all I'm on my sh I work real hard enough for every little bit that I get But this is all I need So sing this song with me It goes like So it sound like this Everybody start clapping hands It's like, it's like Do you have a favorite blog ever? memory or any story that encapsulates the spirit of what made those years so special well it's got to be the amelie track i mean when i put out amelie uh for the blogs essentially because it's you know rapping over somebody else's stuff um it's a total kind of new take on what was going on as far as like frivolous money spending uh, and my take on it was just like, yo, this is ridiculous. And my, stance, my stance on unfettered capitalism is still the same. Like, yo, this is ridiculous, y'all. Like, what do y'all really, do you really need all this? Um, and I just remember the conversation uh, that that was allowed to encourage in one singular space. Uh, obviously, uh, Tudo Boys, um, Now Right, um, Giant, who actually is the one who, who, put me on kind of uh blanking on his the actual blog name 
um but giant was kind of the first in atlanta was the first to really put me on but um because the internet wasn't so uh fragmented as it is now there was still conversations happening in one place uh not all over the place or maybe on someone's you know instagram uh post uh, right. And so a Millie allowed for a conversation to take place in one place of like, yo, Ash is talking about something, you know, there's actually substance here because, you know, greenhouse effect, I think maybe at the end, um, there was, uh, you know, there was a waiting on the world to change where I was like, you know, discussing a little bit about what's going on. And then I remember the canon, you know, the world's gone mad when blacks wear plaid and Mariah has married Nick Cannon and just like, Right. These lines that in that like really sparked conversation. And I think that's what the blog era holds so true to me. For me is that like, you know, it was, there was a time and a place where people could act like there was really truly was a, um, a town center, a, a town. Uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a, what are they, what does Elon Musk think that Twitter is? He thinks Twitter is like the, public forum or like you know a town hall or whatever it is but it's not <laughs> right it's right right absolute shit show but like with the blog era if you were on two dope boys you were actually probably meeting people in the comment yeah. section from two dope boys and there's just something uh really special about that it was the meeting place wasn't it it was this connective tissue we've seen change throughout your career and evolve can you remember your first time experiencing a blog that was exclusive to somebody's fandom of hip-hop and what kind of impact that had on the way you think about the electronic discourse of rap time culture and fandom related behaviors well i think first for me it was like it was as a rapper and uh you know um using um different hip-hop sites to post raps and go back and forth uh with people on on boards but right. uh as far as the blog era this is i feel like it was something that got labeled the blog era after it had happened like we, none of us actually knew what was going on and i think some of these people like the shakes of the world they were creating these blogs just as fans of hip-hop to as a place to talk about and post hip-hop you know and yeah. so uh, curation is, I think, something that and discovery, music discovery, are two things that I've really kind of got snagged by the the new uh, electronic world of of music. You know, it's just endless endless amounts of music to choose from. No real curation outside of some Spotify playlists, and even then, it's like a lot of the songs just kind of sound the same. And so people will start to make music um directed towards the algorithm. They understand, like, hey, this kind of lazy bedroom pop music is really getting picked up on playlists. Let me just make this, you know? Um, and so for me, like the blog era stuff, I never really knew what was going on. I never really knew what was happening. I didn't think, you know, myself, the cool kids, uh, B.O.B., Charles Hamilton, like, you know, I didn't think we were blog era rappers and I still don't, to be honest with you. I think that we are contributors uh, to the hip hop space in more ways than one that just happened to get our start, not necessarily on like Stretch and Bobbito, but like, you know, you know, really getting a chance to, you know, express ourselves um, on our own accord. And so it's cool. It's uh, that, that's pretty much what I would say is like that never really resonated with me. And it, it never really I never really knew the blog era was a thing until basically after the blog era. Was there ever a time post blog era where you were tired of feeling pigeonholed and actively trying to run away from the term blog rapper and specifically the single I love college? 
Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, at the end of the day, I think the the one thing that uh, happened with me, people started to classify it as frat rap, um, you know, because yeah. of I Love College. But like, it was also inspiring, like, you know, kind of some really terrible rappers. I can't even I can't even defend it, you know, being, being <laughs> I lumped, remember. Oh, man, it's bad. But being lumped into that was really disappointing. And so I think that there's that, uh, you know, when you asked me, was there anybody that encouraged you to break any rules you know right. it got to the point where it's just how my music was was resonating or or how people were responding um post i love college was just like oh well you know that's just the i love college guy to this day actually like you'll see on these new recordings so why is it so gray out came out i believe in 2022 which is a collaboration with uh heather gray in utah um who um i met uh, via the discord and we really hit it off similar uh influences etc and so now we're following that back up and some of these most recent recordings i'm actually referencing and leaning into you know a lot of these like these moments of you know i love college and and uh what was going on there how that music was being received how i was being perceived because you know at the end of the day it's how i it's how i see the entertainment business now is like this exaggerated character of myself that then becomes kind of like typecasted and that's who i am to everyone and so having music as your medium and trying to introduce yourself uh to people um, and then you're trying to make the conversation not about you at all um you're trying to make it about you know values and you know questions that you may may have uh that's what you're trying to have the conversation through rap music and instead People are, you know, writing you off as just, oh, that's that I love college kid. And so, you know, that's what I would say inspired me to break the rules was like, you know, when I made Retro Hash, that was in straight defiance to, um, you know, Asleep in the Bread on I Love College and getting in with Pharrell. Oh, by the way, I, I got off topic about the Pharrell stuff because Pharrell, what he had mentioned was just follow the rules now and, you know, you'll be able to do your thing later. And like that honestly has been said to me by numerous people of just like, just make these compromises and sacrifices now, and then you'll be able to do whatever you want later, which is probably true. I, I, I could not do it because to me, it just felt like, hey, you do these three songs and we'll give you seven. But the only songs that people are going to know you for are the three songs that we chose and, and we promote. And so it just it just didn't sit right with me. But yeah, I mean, I would say the the perception um, of Isle of College and how people had perceived me and the unwillingness outside of a very select few of people who are still with me to this day uh, that were willing to kind of grow with me and say, okay, cool. That's who we were at 22. Like, who are we now? And I, I believe that I'm entering into a space where my raps are just like, sometimes I just listen. I'm just like, yo, dude, like you're getting better. And I think that's rare. I think a lot of the times, uh, maybe in rap music, maybe punk as well, after people kind of make their money, you go back and they're like, yeah, their their new album's not really that good. And their first album's amazing. Second album's really good, but their later albums aren't that good. I think I'm getting to a space where, you know, with the relationship that I have with myself, um, my relationship with my art, uh, I'm getting to a space where, okay, that all happened, cool, but here's where we are now and it's it's only getting better.
was done For real it was over with Setting of the sun Maybe I'm too old for this Recording touring shows Photographs were showing it Game had sucked in my soul Might be time I board the mish Um, nah Granted I've been fortunate Been around, been up and down Like sort of some contortionist Of course if when you started It's important that you finish it Times it was cathartic As an artist it gets interesting Hard to not doubt Everything you thought about Might never pan out The way you thought it might So I saw a mic And I was like Well, might be down tomorrow night But for now I'd rather drown my sorrows and be somber like everything in your past no it don't matter use a professional not some old rapper got a code gotta live by the soul chatter let it go gotta grow don't you know that it all We've been talking about the last couple of years as far as projects from yourself. What's next? What's coming next from yourself? Yeah, so the follow-up to Why Is It So Gray Out for sure. Um, you know, I went and sat with uh, Bobby. Uh, most people know him as Logic. Uh, he and I sat down when he was in Philadelphia, and he's really into producing. And he's just got ridiculous beats, you know. So there actually may be a world where uh, he and I collaborate Um Oh wow! Off the road and 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 do like a little joint. I don't know how much rapping he'll do, but it'll be a lot of beats produced by him. Um, and then some of this Discord stuff I'm gonna roll out first. So the the producer that you heard on uh, um, Last Chance You, Dima, his name is yeah. Guala. He's from Sweden, and you know he's very sample based. So obviously samples are tricky. Um, but we're going to release just a handful of joints that just are kind of more SoundCloud nostalgic blog era, if you will, uh, joints just to kind of you know, grease the wheel. Uh, and then from there, I'll, I'll release uh, the follow-up to Why Is It So Gray Out, um, which I just, I'm very happy with how it's turning out. Like, you know, again, everything that we've we've talked about, there's just like, my writing has gone, I've gone to just like, the same setup that I'm talking to you on right now is the same setup that I'm recording my raps in, in my little room, wow. in my spot in Philly. I'm not like going into the studio and all of these things. And so those are the, those are the pros of technology. It has allowed me to just record these things in my house. And like, you know, again, that's what greenhouse effect volume one was like just recording in the basement on whatever microphone we had available to us. And so, you know, I'm so excited to get back to that because it's there's just this unedited version of you that comes out yeah. and i think it's just like something that people get to hear and they really connect with it because they're just like this sounds real this sounds honest like this you didn't take that this isn't the 17th take that you did it's all one take you're not like punching in every time no shade to that but you know what i mean like you know when it comes to right. rap you want to make sure that like you know you're saying things that uh you know mean something to you so but yeah, man, rhythm and poetry, that's what I was getting at before. Like rap to me is rhythm and poetry. And I just like, you know, for whatever it's worth that I wanted to stay true to that. That that was the mantra, you know, rhythm and poetry. Is it rhythm and poetry? You know? I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh-oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My peoples, are you with me where you at?